This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation, and thank you for being with us. This show, in my view, is upfront, up close, and uplifting, so let's get right to it. Maurizio Bevilacqua is serving his third term as mayor of the city of Vaughan. Prior to his move to the mayoral chair, he spent 22 years on the Hill as a Liberal MP with a variety of jobs, Minister of State for Finance, for Science, Research and Development, and Chair of the Common Standing Committee on Finance. So numbers make sense to Mayor Bevilacqua, and there are plenty of them when you run a thriving city like Vaughan. But it is equality, diversity, and inclusion for all that has become his passion and his purpose. Maurizio Bevilacqua joins us now in conversation. Thank you for being with us. I am, and uh, congratulations on your show in conversation with. So you are at this point recruiting rather than appointing for Vaughn's Diversity Inclusion Task Force. In fact, when I looked at your website, it says, be the change you want to see in the community. Why recruit rather than appoint, and what is the goal of this task force? Well, I believe uh, that diversity is among our greatest strengths, uh, attributes including age, uh, gender, race, ethnicity, physical, intellectual abilities, religion, sexual orientation, and the list goes on. But I think when you're, uh, you know, representing and leading a city as vibrant as ours, uh, yes, we have great economic numbers. We, we, we're doing exceptionally well. We're, we're national leaders in, in many areas. Uh, what's really important, though, is that people feel included, uh, that people feel part of something larger than themselves. And uh, I think that uh, this uh, this recruitment of diversity and inclusion uh, officer speaks to our commitment uh, towards enhancing uh, equality, fairness, and justice uh, in our city. And to have this individual actually sitting uh, around the leadership table, uh, making decisions, uh, informing uh, the leaders of our organization, uh, speaks to how seriously we take uh, uh, this issue. And this is part and parcel of uh, an enlightened uh, uh, corporate and civic culture that exists here in the city of Bonn. So you touched on it, the diversity and inclusion officer position. Will that be born of the task force, or is that something that is separate? Uh, This is uh, separate. Uh, uh, We're presently recruiting uh, an individual to take on uh, the position of uh, the first ever Chief Diversity Inclusion Officer in the the history of our city. And I think it speaks to uh, our commitment uh, to bring about positive change in in our city, uh, a city where 105 different languages are spoken and and people uh, live in harmony uh, together. And that is the reason why we are uh, such an exceptional city. I often uh, say that really the city is really a reflection of its people, of the population, and uh, the, the numbers that we have, whether it's in economic numbers and, and the social and cultural expression uh, that is manifests itself every day, speaks to the higher values of love, uh, compassion, understanding, and, and mutual respect. And, and this is yet another example of how the city is moving forward in that area. So the diversity and inclusion officer position. So who are you looking for? What kind of person would be right for this, and what will they be tasked to do? Well, the, the, uh, the individual, of course, will, will be a senior-level uh, position. It's full-time, uh, permanent uh, employment opportunity that is uh, supported by the city's existing accessibility and diversity uh, coordinator. 
and the the role, which is really important, will influence the the corporation's activities. It provides uh, strategic guidance and advice on policies, processes, and procedures related to uh, to diversity. But to have that presence at the leadership table, to me, it speaks to how serious uh, we take this uh, this this uh, issue and this position. Uh, this is uh, a position that will influence. Uh, the future of our city as it relates to many, many important uh, human issues like race relations uh, and uh, and others that, uh, that that speak to the dynamic uh, nature of our of our city. So Vaughn's Diversity and Inclusion Task Force, you've been recruiting steadily and the deadline has come and gone. What will be the the mission when it comes to this task force? And again, who do you envision on the task force? Well, you know, public life is all about improving the human condition. And the human condition is really improved through inclusion, uh, through embracing diversity as a strength, uh, to have the city uh, reflected uh, in in that diversity uh, task force. And you will find people from all walks of life uh, that will bring to the table uh, their area of expertise, but also the, the human experiences, what they've gone through as individuals, and how we can use that knowledge uh, to make the city uh, always better than it was yesterday. And the improving the human condition is what drives me forward. I want to build a fair and just uh, city uh, where everyone uh, feels included, uh, where everyone feels part, uh, and parcel of this uh, great experiment that I call uh, the city of Vaughan, an experiment that, that has gone right, uh, an, exper- an experiment that has produced excellent results uh, for, for its citizens. Mayor Bevilacqua, what in your own personal experience brings you to this point of diversity and inclusion, it, it becoming your passion? Well, it's been a... It's been a process for me. I mean, I, I lived in the basement of a home as, a, as an immigrant on St. Clair and Boone. And uh, 18 years later, I was sitting in the House of Commons, and uh, I, I lived through the immigrant experience. I understand diversity. Uh, when I was in Ottawa, uh, I, along with people like Jean Augustine, always uh, championed uh, issues like race relation, multiculturalism, human rights, um, it's something that uh, is fundamental to who I am as a person. Uh, I believe that ultimately uh, we, we need during our time on earth to do whatever we can to improve the human condition. And, and that to me means that you need to make a city as inclusive and diverse as possible. But the, that diversity and that inc- inclusion needs to be reflected also in government and in the economy in social and cultural organizations. It cannot just be words on a piece of paper. And that is the reason why I moved quickly on, uh, on, uh, on issues such as this, uh, because fundamentally you need to make people feel comfortable, feel included, feel part of, of, of the city. And if this, is a, this is something that you need to do every day in every way. You're not gonna get a solution to all the challenges in city building in one day and you think that, that the work of city building is done. This is a labor of love that requires uh, attention and it requires a nurturing spirit uh, to propel the city uh, even further. And uh, as I often say, it's important to, to, to move the city forward, 
But what is equally important is not to leave anyone behind. In other words, walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And you did just that. You recently bestowed a great honor on a great Canadian. You just mentioned her, Jean Augustine. What was that like? Well, Jean and I have a long history. We've known each other for over three decades. Uh, We served together in, in the House of Commons. We traveled the country. Uh, promoting issues like human rights, multiculturalism, uh, race relations, uh, gender equity. These are things that we've always been very passionate about. And I thought that uh, in today's day and age, uh, I need we need to, to in a very meaningful way, um, really pay tribute to people who dedicate their lives to, to public service, uh, who champion a positive cultural diversity and inclusion, um, who have given of themselves in, in a way that speaks to a real commitment. You know, Gene is not a person that was in public service for a week or a month uh, or, you know, 10 days. Uh, she was in public service for decades, and her story is a great source of inspiration for, for future generations. And one of the, one of the reasons why I gave the key uh, to, uh, to the city uh, is that I hope that people um, recognize in her um, that which lies within all of us, and that is that that sense that we're in this together, that we need to build a better city, a better world, a more fair and just world that, uh, that embraces uh, the higher frequencies of life, which I refer to as love, compassion, understanding. Uh, these are things that she embodied. And she did that. I traveled the country with her extensively, and I saw her speak to individuals passionately about those issues that really matter. Uh, yeah, and they may not be the issues that grab the headlines. It's that meeting one-on-one with that young woman who identifies with Jean's struggle, who identifies with, uh, with all that she had to go through to get to where she got. And, and by that, I mean that she rose to the top. Uh, through hard work, through commitment, through dedication, through perseverance, through discipline. And, and these values are eternal truths that speak to um, uh, the manner in which we do improve the human condition. And it's every day you've got to do something uh, towards improving it. And that's what city building for me is about. This is actually what building a better society and a better global society is all about, a better world. We need to fundamentally uh, believe in our mission to bring about positive change to people's lives. And, and Jean Augustine, given all the roles that she's played throughout her life, really embodies that. And there's nothing more powerful uh, than to send a strong signal to a person who has proven day in and day out that she's truly committed to those issues that she cares about. Well put. And before we let you go, we have to talk about this because it is the elephant in the room, if you don't mind me saying it this way. And believe me, I understand the severity of the situation. We're at a crucial time in the second wave of COVID-19. What are you, Mayor Bevilacqua, doing to support and protect your citizens? We're doing absolutely uh, the very best. Communication throughout this uh, COVID-19 period has been um, very important and we've reached out extensively we work together with the medical officer of health for this uh, for the york region i work with other mayors and other political leaders uh, in canada in the province of ontario uh, as well as as locally 
we the, the most important thing is for people to remain disciplined and focused. I mean, I've been talking about the second wave coming for months now. Our city was ready for it. Uh, we, uh, of course, always encourage uh, uh, personal responsibility as well. Uh, everyone knows what they need to do. Uh, the, at the end of the day, uh, people need need to take it upon themselves to become ambassadors against this fight against uh, COVID-19. But we've taken measures from, you know, closing our recreation centers to closing City Hall to to doing uh, everything and anything uh, within our power uh, to make sure that transmission is reduced. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And at the same time, you also have to help businesses as we do as a city uh, to make sure that they can get through this period and come back even stronger. And uh, so all in all, our, our plan is working. Uh, people have acted responsibly. You always will hear about the odd case here and there, people not uh, not being responsible. But I can tell you that the vast, vast, vast majority of the citizens of Vaughan are responsible individuals. They're exemplary citizens who know that uh, in order to win, uh, this fight against COVID-19, we have to be disciplined, we have to be focused, and we have to have tenacity and perseverance. That is the only way that COVID-19 uh, will be defeated. We cannot let down. We need to be uh, really up to understand, as I said right from the offset, that uh, the that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. Vaughn Mayor Maurizio Bevilacqua, thank you for joining us in conversation. Until we meet again. Mayor Bevilacqua and the City of Vaughan honored Jean Augustine last weekend. It is our pleasure to have her In Conversation next. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Jean Augustine has accomplished so much in her life, the first African-Canadian woman to be elected to the House of Commons and a cabinet minister. She introduced a motion in the mid-90s that led to the creation of Black History Month. In 2007, she was appointed the first-ever Fairness Commissioner for the Ontario government. She is the force behind the Jean Augustine Centre for Young Women's Empowerment, established in 2014. And to this day, Jean Augustine remains a strong, vocal, and passionate advocate for social justice, equality, human rights, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility. Jean Augustine joins us now on In Conversation. Thank you for being with us on the show. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for the opportunity. Let's talk about your past. When you first came to Canada, was there anyone there to help you and support you the way you today support so many women of all ages, people of all ages? And this is precisely why I'm out there trying to help as many people as is possible because when I first came, there were no networks, there were no organizations, and there was nothing established that would um, guide and help um, a young person as I was, you know, early 20s, um, to settle in Canada. There were no systems in place. I came on the Canada-Caribbean domestic scheme, so the support I had was really what was called at the time Employment uh, Canada, uh, who um, 
had the responsibility of placing these young women who were coming as domestics into Canadian family homes. And so I was placed in a home, and whatever guidance I had um, was came through the opportunity and the relationship that I had with the family that I was um, serving. You wanted to be a teacher in Ontario. You had been a teacher in Grenada. How did you accomplish that? And what did you do to support yourself financially while you were getting the necessary certification? That's a good question that is usually not asked. Um, I was uh, teaching, I, was, I came through what in Grenada was called the pupil-teacher system, and um, I had my teacher qualification, I had my Oxford and Cambridge Overseas School certificate, I had my piano, and you know, I had all of this, I had a whole docket of, um, of pieces of paper, as my grandmother would say. Um, and so I felt that I was prepared after my commitment of one year to work in the home of a Canadian family, that I would be prepared to to go to teacher's college and um, to be a teacher, to, to be, um, go to university, become a teacher. And um, most immigrants know this story. At the end of the four years, that I would go back home and... Uh, and I would um, be a qualified teacher then and, and, uh, and open some kind of an institution where I can help um, young people. Of course, um, that was not easy. I spent the first uh, nine months working with the family. I spent another few months uh, working outside of the home of that family. At the same time, they provided me with... Uh, with room and board in return for my assisting them in the evening with babysitting. Um, they provided me also, um, after I had made um, application for Teachers College, they provided me with bus fare and they provided me with accommodation with room and board. So this was how I got myself through Teachers College. Um, the transportation was provided, the room and board was provided, and then I worked part-time in the evening. After school, I, I worked in uh, different things. I worked at um, uh, doing uh, different things, uh, as, um, especially around the December uh, time in department store. Um, I worked in the... Um, the credit, uh, the credit bureau, um, you know, doing uh, books and whatnot after hours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's the way I put myself through school: my part-time work, and at the same time, the fact that I had my room and board assured. Jean, you went on to politics and did remarkable things within uh, that. Uh, venue, that genre, you became the first African-Canadian woman to be elected to the House of Commons, a cabinet minister. You did so much. Was there ever a point where you thought, those doors will just not be open for me? Of course. When I came in the, in the 60s and people have been around and, and, and were cognizant of uh, what was happening to people of color, um, we had, remember, in the 60s, and I've been saying this over and over, we had no Charter of Rights and Freedom, you know, Section 15, where you cannot discriminate on the basis of, you know, and um, 
because that didn't come till 1982 when we amended our charter um, or constitution. Um, we had no tenant and landlord and tenant act so that a, a landlord could say it's for rent but not to you. We had no access to um, to speaking to school boards and um, on the parent committees and things like that. There was just so much missing in the society that um, that made the forced me almost into being an activist, you know, asking the questions why, asking the questions how, finding out who is doing what and who is advocating a wrong suit to make changes. And so I was always in the throes of working for fairness, working for justice, working to make the society a bit better, and at the same time making it better not only for those of us, who were in the struggle at the time, but making it better so that those who came after us will not have to go through the same um, the same route. Jean, you were recently given the key to the city of Vaughan, uh, the Jean Augustine Complex now, the Jean Augustine District Park. We also have the Jean Augustine Girls Leadership Academy, Jean Augustine Park in a different part of the GTA, Jean Augustine Secondary School, and the Jean Augustine Chair in Education Community at York University. So let me ask you this. Do you think that your passion for social justice, equality, human rights, diversity, inclusion, accessibility is finally being recognized. And is it making a difference, Jean? And I, I am huge, I'm usually, um, when I see and hear of these things, I am usually quite, um, quite honored, at the same time quite humbled by the fact that someone would look at what I've done, because I, I never... Uh, thought uh, in, in all the work that I've been doing, the, the, the thinking is not I'll do this because I want my name or I do this because I want. What I started out to do and what I've always aimed to do in any and all endeavors is really to do the best I can to make the society a better place, to make my neighborhood a better place, to make people who look like me and people whose, whose, um, whose history is very much like mine um, find our rightful place in the society. And, uh, and this is what I've always struggled and worked for, to make sure that when, we, when I go into halls of, of honor and I go through places where there were portraits of who's been there and, and, and the recognition of people, that there will be a face that looks like mine that I can point to my grandsons or point to, um, to people of color and say, there, there, that person uh, was there 19 so-and-so and did so-and-so, because that is so missing in the society. And this is why this key to the city and this renaming is so, so humbling and honoring uh, to me, uh, because it's a mark that says, we recognize your hard work, we recognize what we as a city have to do to ensure that all of our citizens are acknowledged, that all the places in our, in, our, in, in, in our town, in our village, in our country, that those, um, the, the recognition of individuals who've made their mark. And so it's not just all one group of people who've made their mark, who've done whatever, but we're looking to find others 
who could be example to the next generation. So what do you say today to young women, young men who don't yet quite see themselves in what they are looking around at in their world, that, that, that still more change has to come? What do you say to them to keep them strong and optimistic and focused? I think that we go back to the old, um, to the old saying, look around you, know where you're coming from. And I put the emphasis on parents having their, their, their youngsters well-grounded, talking about the things that would give them the self-esteem, reading and providing books and providing opportunities and taking them to things in the society so that they can see role models, they can, they, they can find their mentors, they can say to them over and over what was said to me by my grandmother as I was growing up. Girl, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> oh, that's great. You can do it. <laughs> and even when, and that was a time when it was mainly the boys in the family who were being educated, sent away to universities and whatever else. And I saw that there was no opportunity for me to, you know, to have any kind of envelope put to the side to send me away to school. And this is why I grabbed the opportunity to come to Canada and the domestic scheme. And this is why I always live with, you can do it. It can be done. You can do it. Work hard. Be resilient. You fall down, pick yourself up, keep on going. And, uh, and I think we need to get our young people um, with those, uh, you know, with those words resounding in their ears all the time. At the same time, I think there is a responsibility in the society to look at itself, to look at all the systemic discrimination, things that are built into policies and procedures that deter or keep others out. And I think for me, this is where my work has always been. What things are in the society that deter the full participation of all of us in that society? What are corporate bodies doing to ensure they give opportunities, promotional opportunities? When we look at the boardrooms of the nation, who do we see sitting in those boardrooms? When we look at our school boards and when we look at all the institutions that we participate in, who do we see providing leadership? And so it's so important for me, this whole business of diversity and inclusion. And we've changed names of those terms and the terminology keeps changing as we move along. The terminology of today is diversity and inclusion, anti racism, and how we all need to make room respectfully in the society for all of us. And so my hope is that as young people walk through the park, and I said that in my speech, as young people walk through the park or young people go into the theater or into the recreational center, they see the name, and who is this? It's a black woman who came into the society, started really low, worked hard, got herself there, and this center is stand. Her name stands here as a symbol to us. If she can do it, I can do it. You are truly remarkable. Jean Augustine, you have remained principled in all you have done. You've set and maintained such high standards. And the best part, you have stayed true to your beliefs. Jean Augustine, thank you for joining us on In Conversation. 
Thank you, Anne, and it's really great to be in conversation with you today. My best wishes. Stay safe. And you as well. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye. Both Jean Augustine and Maurizio Bevilacqua brought to bear the immigrant experience. Different starting points, mind you, but ironically ending up in the same place at one point, the House of Commons. Role models to be sure. Join me again next week. I look forward to it in conversation. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.